Welcome. Hey, I'm Larry Ford. This is episode eight of Limited Perspective. In this episode, I talked to Cortez Garza. We talked and talked and it was so much fun and so interesting. And then I lost the recording due to a technical malfunction. So I made him stay for another hour. We talked about his new record and so many other things. Hope you will stick around and listen to our conversation. Please do over. Okay. (laughs) So, yeah, so we are doing this a second time because some glitch happened and we lost everything we recorded. So if it doesn't sound fresh, that's why. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean... uh... I feel like I'm just going to come from a completely different place. Might as well. I mean, Uh, I enjoyed getting to know you for the last hour. (laughs) (laughs) Better than before. But we've known each other for a long time. We have. About five years ago. Yeah. Which is something that we didn't talk about. So, you know, let's talk about you, Larry. How How did realizing that it wasn't recording what we were saying make you feel... It kind of made me pissed. It kind of made you pissed? (laughs) Kind of made me a little bit pissed. Tell me about your, uh, tell me about your new record. And, and, uh, because it sounds like you're really into it and you put a lot of time into it. It's it's funny. I should say, you know, um, and I wanted to come in here and, like, talk about other things Uh other than music, man. Right, right. I'm really in a place where, like, I... I'm so like adverse to self-promotion and uh, talking about myself mm-hmm. and talk and like trying to get people to buy into my brand. Right, like, right. dear God, I'm so I don't like doing that. You know, uh-huh, uh-huh. but you know, you kind of have to to a certain extent, especially when you're doing it all yourself, uh, right. which I am. But uh, so it was good to be able to talk about other things. Uh-huh. But we sort of went into like a. There was a sort of I feel like it got a little deeper than I meant to mm-hmm. for some reason during that conversation. Right. So I'm going to try and really just sort of be a little more laid back and, and not I'm, go as deep as and not yeah. Or, it, it took I don't know man. It, it took it a philosophical turn yeah. that turn that I wasn't I don't think. Uh-huh. But you know I've, I've been reading this book here so I've actually read it before um, and Power of Now. Yeah, Eckhart Tolle. Um, okay. It's like spiritual philosophy or whatever. Okay. Uh huh. But. Um, we're not gonna. We're not gonna. We're not gonna. We're not gonna do that. We right won't now. go into it. But credit to the book there. Uh, well, the the, the, the uh, low vibe the is low the name vibe. of the new record. Yes. And uh, it's a little bit of a stray from your early one that that I loved. Thank you. Note to self. Thank you. I, uh, but, I, but I don't know anything more than that. Okay, so the low vibe. Um, first and foremost, the difference between it and the last record is that um, it has a lot of featured musicians that play on it, um, mainly you know from our community um, here in Athens, Georgia. I sort of uh, was fortunate enough to be able to sort of handpick like a lot of most of um, you know my favorite. Um, Players, Americana musicians uh, here from here in Athens mm-hmm. or you know just around. Um, so, did um, Michael Lasowski uh, yeah. play on it? Michael, the artist formerly known as Michael oh, Lasowski. Right. Yeah, exactly. Michael Coast. Michael Coast. Um, he played on it. Um, played some mandolin and piano, and uh, I think even some bass guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Scott Lowe played. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. 
the lap steel, not to be confused with pedal steel. Um, pedal steel. Pedal steel is what? sort of like. Oh, it's on a little yeah. bench. First, yeah, the lap steel is like in your lap. Okay. So, um, similar but different, and um, you know, people, real people who people who know the difference, they like can pick it out right away. That ah. they know the difference. So, okay. prior to that experience, that session. I did not know, really know the difference, but it's very much a different uh, different instrument with a different sound. And I do have pedal steel on the record, and actually Matt Stosel, uh, a.k.a. Pistol, um, a.k.a. the pedal steel player for just about everybody in town, including Cracker, played on played pedal steel on my record, which I'm you know, very, very, very happy about. <clears throat> Are you gonna Are you gonna have a uh, CD release uh, event, or um, um, are you just gonna take it on? Honestly, tour man, right away? Um, I have really been considering strongly not doing that, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know, I'm not really sure. And the reason, my reasoning for not doing that is a, I'm already ready to begin recording a new album. Another one, right? Yeah. You know. I've worked on this record for uh, much longer than I probably should have um, because we got kind of sort of um, stuck in the mixing room with it. Um, Again, sort of coming from a place that's very DIY, uh, I wanted to be involved in the mixing process and um, this is the second time I've done that. The first time I really feel like I did it... uh, we didn't really know what we were shooting for. We didn't really know um, what we were doing. The second time, I feel that way, except we have had just a little bit more of an idea. But it's still, you know, mixing is an art. It's a, it's a, um, it's a craft that I have no real experience with, and I think certain things like that are better left up up to people who, you know, know what they're doing. So. Um, it just has taken way too long for me to find, you know, achieve like the sort of sound that I'm looking for. Uh, particularly because we of the way we recorded it, um, just the kind of microphones we used, and like, it, you know, it really goes back to that. So, you know, it's, it's still a process of learning in the studio, and um, needless to say, you know, I've, I learned so much about making a record you know particularly this kind of record because like I was saying before Note to Self was just me a guitar uh-huh. I did some overdubs you know put some snazzy effects on on, uh-huh. on the tracks and then it was pretty much done you know whereas this was like a whole different thing you know it's very much like a a band you know backing me and um, you know a lot of different instruments and it's a, it's a whole different feel. So, um, going into the next record, I will definitely go approach it completely differently, uh-huh. and uh, I think it will. It'll, it won't take half as long to make, and you know, just knowing what I know now, mm-hmm. and knowing what I what I did wrong. So, uh, and also, you know, my plan is to work with a producer on the next record, which is something that I haven't done yet. You know, somebody to kind of go in there with. A, have ideas and uh, kind of direct, you know, and, and guide us sure, sure. when we're um, at a loss of, for ideas, which happens, man. And, you know, you're in the sure. studio and, like, you're just kind of sort of, like, 
wasting money if you don't know exactly what yeah. you, you know if you don't have everything planned out. So the more I like basically listen to others talk about it or learn about the process, I I recognize the significance of a, a party that's once removed from the musicians. And it's that you're you're following that one individual's plan of what the ultimate uh, piece will be. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. They have a, you stick to their plan. They have, I guess usually if it's a pro, they, they have a good plan and then they can put a right. good product out using you guys or a good piece of art. For sure. Using the, you know, yeah, I, you know. At one point in time, I thought, you know, nobody else's ideas could ever... Yeah, not that be possible. <laughs> why would I ever, ever, ever need mm-hmm. another opinion or another idea? But those days are long gone, man. I mean, like, I, I, I welcome any input, feedback. Um, and uh, sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's very believing to have somebody else mm-hmm. that you trust there to make a call, you know, and yeah, and, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, but you know, um, so you know, again, I mean, we had people, you know, my friend Dave Kerslis from Cicada Rhythm came and played guitar, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I don't, um, I don't know him, but I know, um, I know who he is. William Tonks played Dobro. Oh, really? Um, oh, yeah, he's gonna I'm gonna get him next. Uh, Kevin Patrick Fleming went in there, played some um, guitar from Grasslands. String band or grass, oh, grassland is what they're called now. I know I'm forgetting people, but oh, uh, Rex Hussman played accordion. Oh, yeah. He's a great uh, uh, musician at, a, at Atlanta Decatur, I think. He did a couple of the nights here. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. He was, yeah, he was in Athens for a while. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, he lived here for a while. That's right. Um, but um, you know, God just got everybody that wow. I, that I. I think maybe there was like one person I wanted, but it didn't work out. But. Um, you know, um, for me, it's a whole, it's a next level for yeah, sure. I'm excited to hear that. Um, yeah, I mean, we we did kind of like a soft release on a on a, on a single um, a few months back. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sound Connector, I think it's called. It's a blog. Um, mm-hmm. Did a, a write up on it, and you know, we did a little interview and whatnot. So that's out there. Okay. Um, but uh, oh, can I get a copy of that? Well, it's on, it's on, yeah, it's on my band camp for sure. Okay, okay, yeah. I'll find it. It's band called camp. Immortal. Immortal. Yeah. Awesome. Um, oh, Cal Clemens. Cal Clemens played oh. trumpet on it. Oh, he, played, awesome. he played. He like did a whole like horn section. Oh, um, beautiful. Beautiful. So, Cal's a he's a friend of mine and uh, very much a, a mentor. Um, you know, uh, yoga played a really huge role in my life and. I mean, moreover, rubber soul. I mean, I spent mm-hmm. I spent many, many, many nights and hours um, there. I'm, I'm a little busy to to go there regularly now, but um, uh, that just the the huge impact that I had on on me and, and Cal is, will forever be, you know, just uh, near and dear to me. So, awesome. Um, awesome. but yeah. yeah, I hear a lot of good things about rubber soul yoga and him. Uh, I mean, you know, to have to have a donation-based studio, which mm-hmm. is not unheard of, but it's increasingly rare. I mean, right, right, right. I've had I've had to, you know, in, in my touring and traveling, and I've had to kind of like find, try and find certain, you know studios wherever mm-hmm. I'm at sometimes, and uh, and you just don't really get that, you mm-hmm. know. It's 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 really a gift. So yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and I did. I uh, you remind me, I need to get back into yoga uh, as well because it was a huge benefit to me when I did it. So I constantly tell myself, well. I know. You'll yeah. Get back there. And, 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 yeah. It's just like anything, man. I mean, it's it's a discipline, and mm-hmm. um, and if you don't stay on it, you lose it, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's the same thing with me, man. I mean, I've I've gotten comfortable just practicing at home. You know, I'll just roll out my yoga mat, and mm-hmm. um, even if it's just like twenty minutes, man, like mm-hmm. it makes all the difference in the world. I uh, honestly, man, I'm getting a little older and like not in the shape I used to be in, so like. Sometimes, you know, you go to one of these classes and it's a little more rigorous than, yeah. than you remember it being. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, it's always so. a rough start when you haven't done it before. But that's what, uh, when you said uh, getting older, feeling older, like that's, uh, I guess it was 10 or 12 years ago, I was having neck pain, pain in my hip, pain, you know, and uh, I was like, well, I just want to, I'll try this yoga thing. And it, I've, well, my mind was saying, well, there is what happens when you get old. This happens, you know, when a couple months in yoga, I didn't feel old oh, anymore. No, you didn't feel old. I mean, yeah. look at him. Look at Cal Clemens, yeah, yeah, for yeah. example. Mm-hmm. Uh, that man is as youthful as they come, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and as agile. I mean, the things that he can do mm-hmm. with ease, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's incredible. So I think, you know, you know, on a more subconscious level, that effect that he had on me, just kind of like witnessing somebody to, you know, and his and his parents, you know, who are both artists and, um, you know, you know, they're always out doing things and in the community. I think I've so, met yeah. them. They're like yeah. elderly, elderly Bob, couple. Bob, Claire, Clemens, Clemens, yeah. excuse me. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it just goes to show he's sort of a, you know, he, he, he's definitely... Um, chip off the old block or whatever but uh, um, so yeah you know I mean I you know as I get older like I just feel like you know in a lot of respects things are just kind of getting started for me and and I think that relationship sort of impacted me in a way that I could kind of get a new lease on life you know and and, and it goes hand in hand with the yoga I mean uh, just being around those people and and, uh, that positive energy and It does matter who you're around and what's the intent. And absolutely, yeah. 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 Uh, talk a little bit about touring. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're like you've been all over the southeast, pretty much. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I know because we just talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I for the last two or three years have consistently. You know, I started with weekends, you know, um, it was definitely, you know, what I want, what I was, I got to a place where, you know, I mean, like, I wanted to experience that, you know, touring, I could right away see the benefit of it, you know, playing every night, you know, and how it could make you a better performer, and, and, um, you know, I think even just, like, the traveling and seeing different places was like secondary for me I just uh-huh. wanted to get better I just felt like there was no way you could not improve you know under the circumstances of maybe not getting the best sleep and you know not not having control of you know what's going on around you 
to sort of cater to your moods so that you can make sure that you have a great performance. I mean, like, it all just sort of starts... I kind of... I mean, that became, like, very clear that, like, you know, you sort of have no choice but to, like, you know, become a much more... You know, just the, the the experience of you know walking into a situation and not having you know any of the things that you're used to to you know accommodate your you know your lifestyle that your, your standard of living you know and um, and then having to put on a good performance. I mean, that's that's really what touring is, man. It's like I've been in the car all day. I've eaten nothing but trail mix. I slept four hours. You know, like, you know, I gotta play well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's, um... In some cases, not at the night. So. Right, right, right. So, did you, uh, do you uh, feel like you're better with different, I don't know, describe different audiences and a good night and a bad night and, uh, uh, well, you know, so and that's the other thing. Those other elements that I'm saying, those variables that you are aren't in control of, is like, you know, you you, you pull into a, a town that you've never been to before, and like, you know, a venue, and there's, you know, the sound it may not be up to you know your standard, and so you have no choice but to you know work with what you have in that respect. And um, for me personally, like, uh, the sound. It's so important. Like I'm very, I get really into my sound check, and mm-hmm. I get, mm-hmm. you know, I'm very particular about how I need it to sound for me on the stage, and and that will always dictate like the quality of the performance, at least in how how you know how much I get into it, and how comfortable I am mm-hmm. with it. Um, you know, people in the audience are always going to perceive it how they perceive it. I mean, you there are nights where I just you know want to. After you get off the stage and you go and dig yourself, want to dig yourself a hole and just disappear because you think it was so bad and right. people are telling you that it was great. So um, you know, so it's, it's it's situations like that, you know. Yeah, those it is embracing reality. Yeah, and then and then it it really just makes it better when you're like you know, it just makes you better for the situation that where you do have more control and you are in a familiar comfortable environment and you know you you are working with a sound engineer who's doing what he can to accommodate for you and you know so I mean that's that's really what touring has been for me I mean and then the byproduct is that you know you might be reaching a few people you know a few people extra people are going to hear about you and know who you are outside of your own market um, which is you know which is a good thing but you know uh, I don't really my philosophy has always been it's, it's sort of the journey, not the destination. I don't go into these situations looking at like what what's you know what's going to happen necessarily uh-huh. in the long term because it becomes overwhelming. You know, I mean, you mean uh, if you have the expectation? Yeah, if you have an expectation be, yeah. of going out there and getting famous or something yeah, like yeah. that, you know. But if you look at it like you know, I'm just going to experience this day, this night, this right. You know, this tour um, I like that <laughs> you get more out of it yeah, you know? yeah and yeah. so it's those experiences that happen within there that really sort of you know because it is I mean we mentioned in the last interview I mean it's a very futile enterprise you know it's very easy to get disheartened become jaded you know mm-hmm. and want to quit and 
I would never, you know, first of all, I would never, you know, I would never second guess anybody's decision to get a real job and, you know, do something else. Right, right. You know, I'm not really making, I have shows where I do well, but like by and large, um, I'm doing this to the extent that I'm like supporting myself with it necessarily. That being said, like I've worked less this year than I ever have before, and wait, like less regular job, yeah, more yeah, music job. Yeah, I've yeah. been trying to transition out of it, mm-hmm. and um, I've taken more time off this year than I ever had in my life, yeah. and I'm doing fine. So you know, um, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's, yeah. There's something to be said for that. Sure. Uh, yeah. I I don't know that I'm still quite ready to you know not work mm-hmm. at all, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you kind of have to, you know, you, at some point in time you have to go all in, I think, if mm-hmm. you really want to, you know, make a really... No, I think that know. is the mental struggle with people with uh, ambitions of, well, almost any dream career, but, like, if you want in the performing, if you want to perform, you have to commit all the way or accept that you're, you know, like, I'm struggling with it right now. Am I going to, you know, I would love to... Have, be podcast guy or be singer songwriter guy or filmmaker guy, but I'm also doing a freaking full time job. Then I'm not bold enough to quit, you know, just like that, you know. Yeah, well, you know, it pays the bills. You know, as you, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, and as you get older, you you develop the standard of living that you need to you know, maintain to be comfortable, and you know, you 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 want to have things, and you know. At least that's where I'm at. Like, you know, like motorcycles and cars. And, right. And, right. Uh, they don't. They're not cheap. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, talk about uh, touring with. Uh, I know you tour with. I know you tour with a couple other musicians, but I know one of my uh, favorites is Michael. Uh, <clears throat> Michael Ocean. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> Michael Coast. Michael Coast, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Michael um, Coast. Sure, yeah, we did a run um, over the summer and uh, so he moved he moved from Athens where he used to be here for for, for the audio, for the listeners who don't know, Michael Lazowski was uh, the front man for Grassland, Grassland String Band Spring for several band. years yeah. who did you know they, they did really well and, it was uh, a good band yeah still are they still yeah. together just not they just not in yeah when he moved um, where'd he go he moved to Franklin Franklin Tennessee which is actually like part of Nashville or right beside Nashville okay. I guess okay it's got the reputation of like where all the rich people live uh-huh. in Nashville right right um, all the rich country stars actually live in Franklin like right Ah. You know, right there by uh, Nashville. So um, does that mean that he's already a rich country star? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I, I think it. You know, um, I. You know, it's just. I think it was close to where like his wife works or oh, okay. goes to school or something. Yeah, so, okay. um, but it's really nice. I mean, I, I. I enjoyed Franklin. I stayed with him a little bit while I was out there. Um, so, uh, but yeah, you know, we went on a run, very casual, like week, week and a half, something like that, and. Um, uh, just had the best time, you know, and, you know, uh, I have known him for some years, but you really get to know somebody um, in a different way when, when you're in a car with him for that long, and, um, you know, I, and needless to say, you know, I, 
I came to appreciate him and respect him even more. Uh, we played in his hometown of Gainesville, Florida, where I met, you know, his family, um, his parents, and um, you know, his sisters, siblings, and uh, so yeah, it was an amazing experience. But uh, like I was saying before, you know. Um, you find yourself in certain situations when you're playing with other musicians that can be frustrating. Um, he's extremely, extremely talented, um, and we had there was definitely some frustration for me because I because he's such a great guitar player. He's such a sonically diverse, uh, very dynamic performer. You know, I, I, I kind of sing in a falsetto and have very softer, like a very soft voice. I sing in a, typically in a very conversational tone. I'm not much of a belter. And he's just effortlessly loud and boisterous and, um, you know, projects in this way that, like... He, he's just a showstopper. You he's know? A, right. He's you know, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. The way I think of Michael was uh, Michael Coase, excuse me. Um, <laughs> I think of him like he's like, uh, you know, in, in these very like of these mythical proportions. You know, <laughs> sort of like larger than life, and like you think of like a Louis Armstrong. Mm-hmm. First of all, he writes these songs that are very authentic. They're vintage. They have a vintage quality to them. Um, and you know, just his stature and you know his just whole aesthetic. He comes across as somebody you know who could have jumped out of a time portal from you know um, the 40s, you know, like a, like a Louis Armstrong kind of thing, you know. So very happy, very you know um, approachable and personable, and uh, you know. Uh, so yeah, you know, I mean, playing with him night after night, um, it got very frustrating for me. I, I couldn't really come to a, uh, a decision whether or not I should play before him or a, after him. Actually, became like the like I just didn't want to play after him you sure. know, because you know, um, just all the energy in the room got sucked out, you know, and like the it just. It just got did to you a point. feel that really, or did you just were you? Just oh no, for sure. Like we kept doing rounds, um, mm-hmm. you know, with other various songwriters, you know. And for those of the listeners that aren't familiar with that format, it's basically you know, get through four songwriters, sit in a row, and okay. each of them take turns yeah, doing yeah. songs. And like it just kept working out to where like I was playing right after him, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I absolutely felt like, you know. At one point in time, we did a round here in Georgia. We stopped here and played a show at the Georgia Theater, and there was a guy hosting it. Mm-hmm. And right after every time that Michael would play and it would be my turn, he would look at me and be like, well, you really got your work cut out for you. Uh, you know, which didn't help matters. Yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah. thank you for putting into words yeah. what we are already we already know, you know. So, um, And, you know, I was talking to a friend, and they were... Uh, you know, another songwriter who I felt like, you know, could sort of understand where I was coming from. And, you know, she was assuring me that, you know, I was holding my own or like mm-hmm. that, you know, kind of sort of just encouraging, trying to be encouraging and, you know, telling me that she felt like, you know, that, I, you know, I was great and like, equally as good. And it was never, it's not an issue of me feeling like, you know, I'm not good. It's just... At a certain point in time, you have to realize when you're outclassed and just call it what it is. And like, and that's how I feel about him. I mean, if Michael Coast does not make it in the music industry, yeah. then like, nobody I don't. Can. Then nobody can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he's an impressive individual. And yeah, and again, when he came into the studio and did my record, you know, he's 
he he was uh, I think he played mandolin mm -hmm. primarily in Grassland Street Band, but on the record he played piano, he played mandolin, he played bass guitar. You know, he was just like all over the place. Mm -hmm. So yeah. could be the whole band. Basically, yeah. <laughs> so, imagine one man, uh, somebody like that just focusing all their energy mm -hmm. on just singing and guitar playing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's it's good to to, to associate with uh, such. Talent, oh, for sure. Yeah. Know, no. Well, yeah. yeah so you have to sort of get better in that situation to yeah. sink or swim, and you know, I mean, I feel like you know we found a system that worked for us. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, because I, I, you know, we talked about it, and I was like, listen, man, I can't. You know what I mean? Like in certain, so in certain. I think, you know, what it came down to was, like, if, if we were at a bar on this tour, you know, where it was loud and, you know, there was a lot of commotion going on, you know, he really thrived in that environment mm -hmm. because of his music is a little more upbeat and because he's, you know, he just... commands the yeah, attention. Yeah, he's, he's just really loud. Mm -hmm. and, um, I'm not. So, mm -hmm. like, in that situation, you know, I felt like it was good for me to warm up the crowd, you mm -hmm. know, and then have him go in there and, right. and do his thing. But you, but, do, you, you have like a, a slow build, like a, I guess a, ser, a serious, sort of rueful, purposeful sort of, uh, like it, it's definitely a, a Bob Dylan or Tom Petty sort of feeling to me. You know? Yeah, for sure. With, with a lot of vocal subtleties, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, those, I mean, those are definitely the, I mean, those, those two names were probably my first exp exposure to this style of music, you know. Growing up, I didn't really listen to, uh, you know, Americana or, or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it, right, right. That, so, you know, I mean, I, I knew Dylan and I knew Tom Petty, mm -hmm. and it wasn't until later in life that I really started taking in all the other stuff mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and trying to do my research. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Bob Dylan was definitely the gateway for me and, and Tom Petty. So, um, and, and it's funny because I do, you know, vocally, I mean, I have range. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I've sang in, yeah. I've sang in bands where, like, I was just, you know, a singer and, like, was very operatic. It was, mm -hmm. you know, um, I, you know, I did some screaming and, yeah, you know, yeah. things like that. So I can be loud. It's just, I think, the stuff that drives me to do what I'm doing now. Right. It, all the guys that I listen to and still continue to listen to for the most part, you know, they 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 just, you know, kind of sing in a very conversational way and, and that's sort of just like there. Um, but, you know, again, I mean, you know, when you look at somebody like Michael, I mean, he's just, he can do it all, so he is able to kind of like fit it all in, you know. I mean, and, you know, I'm still working on that, but you know, that that, that tour definitely. Um, I mean, I, I had no choice but to sort of look at myself and you know evaluate where I was and the stuff that I was writing, and um, you know, it made me better. You know, yeah. spending a, a week on the road with him made me better, and I, I think that's that. you know definitely a good you know a good a byproduct of you know going on tour with other people. So early on, your influences were. You told me in the, the Lost interview that you, uh, <laughs> early on, your mom had to listen to the Beatles, and, uh, yeah. and uh, 
she listened to her and her friends listen to Donna. And yeah, for sure. I mean, um, when I was at the Franklin, I wrote down. Yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of soul music. I mean, um, and that's really what I what I grew up on. Um, um, my mom was very. She was a integral figure in terms of music for me. She's, I, I get my musicality from her, definitely. Uh, I grew up listening to her sing, sing along to the radio, and um, she would play, you know, we would play these games where she would, ch you know, challenge us to, um, you know, guess who was singing on the radio and what songs were playing, and... Uh, did you and your brothers and sisters, or did you have your yeah, siblings? Yeah, I have uh, three brothers, actually. Oh. Um, yeah, we didn't really talk about that in the previous interview, but, uh, I mean, and we were all, you know, we were all into it as kids, I mean, you know, um, but that's definitely, I think, something we did to pass the time and, like, bond and whatnot. Um, my, not my youngest brother, but uh, the second to the youngest, he, he took to music and played... Um, you know, dabbled and uh, got to a place where he was playing live here for a while, but never really, you know, saw himself doing it, you know, seriously. And I guess it kind of fizzled out for him. Yeah. Um, but no, nobody else really got into music. I mean, uh, we all had our thing, and uh, I knew, I just knew from a very young age there really wasn't anything else. I mean, you really couldn't put anything in front of me that wasn't creative or artistic that, you know, that I wasn't into. I pretty much dabbled in, you know, photography and and drawing and you know, you know, even like some costume design. I just like oh weird weird things. Oh, like yeah, if yeah. I was like creative, being, mm -hmm. being creative and using my hands, I was into it. You know, really music at the end of the day for me, which mm -hmm. there was just nothing better. So um, my dad actually was uh, he wrote he was a writer. He wrote poems and short really? stories and. Really? Uh, um, and so I kind of take after him in that. I mean, that was really sort of like. Pencil and paper, mm -hmm. pen and paper was really sort of like my main thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, even when, before I could play guitar, it was just this thing that I did was write, write stories and uh, poems and stories. Well, I like, uh, just, yeah, because uh, I also also have uh, wonder about the lives of, because I, mean, my dad was in the Navy, but you, you just told me that your dad was a, a, was a sergeant in the military yeah. for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. So these guys have military careers, but they also have like human lives in their, you know, in their free time. Sure. So he was he was writing all yeah. throughout the yeah I guess military yeah careers. Oh, yeah it's funny because um, he kept like everything he wrote, which is insane. To That's me. amazing. And, yeah. And I saw it one day, and it was like enough to fill a room. Like really? seriously, yeah. It, it, I mean, like, and when I say fill a room, I mean like on the floor, boxes and boxes and stacks, just like room full Amazing. of these writings from, from, from So it's incredible that he was able to sort of archive all of that and even sort of referenced it at one point in time. We were having a conversation and, you know, he told me about some things that he wrote and then like, you know, a week later I get it in the mail and it's like dated, you know from, you know, like, 87 or 88. The original. And it's like, yeah, the original, oh like, the thing, he went back and found it. So, wow. Um, I've never been in that organized. I'm sort of... I'm impressed. I'm sort of, yeah, that's yeah. impressive. I'm sort of disorganized, you know. And, um, yeah. I do <laughs> I do have some journals from, from years back where I can, like, look back and see, like, the origins of, like, a song 
uh-huh. you know, that I still play today, mm-hmm. but you know, it's not really that's not really that impressive. I mean, it's not the same thing. It's no, it's, yeah, there's some good good writers and record keepers are out there. It's it has to be. A, it's definitely not in my makeup. Yeah, no, yeah, no. I, yeah. I'm, I'm the king of disorganizations. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't realize the power was probably off in the power strip when yeah. I plugged it in to begin with, and yeah. then it just it shut down because there was no power to the laptop, and it, everything must have just got whatever yeah. I did was not saved. Bro, I mean, like, damn. Listen, man, I'd rather do a podcast. This happens too than. A song that I'm recording in the studio. Well, I would hate for it to be uh, in the Bro, studio I, with uh, with other musicians. <laughs> I promise you, man, we've been in that situation before. Oh, like, wow. we thought like whatever take that we just took that was gold or like oh shit was was lost or whatever. So you know, you spend hours trying to get something right. That's the ultimate. Mm-hmm. That's the ultimate nightmare. That's brutal. Yeah, we can do it. We can do the. We can do this podcast again, dude. Mm-hmm. If we have to. Um, yeah, even for a third time, but well, uh, it'll be worth it to do a, a part two after you've <laughs> taken your new record out, and I'll listen to their new record yeah, sure. and yeah. stuff. You know, I because um, what I what I learn when I talk to someone, there's a lot more to talk about. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I didn't realize you were born in Frankfurt, Germany. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah, you got it. And uh, then you didn't you must move around a lot because of the military. For sure, yeah, absolutely. I mean. I think I went to like 10, 12 different schools in my entire life, it's, which is amazing. a lot to me. I thought that was normal, you know. But you like, thought everybody did it, yeah. Yeah, I've talked to, yeah, I've talked to people over the years, and they think that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we went to at the most three different schools, you know. Really? And that was, yeah. And that was more than most, you know. It's like most people are like they go they go to high school with kids they went to first grade with, you know. It makes, you know, I mean, like, you know, when you, when you start, when you really think about it, it, it shapes who you are, you know, and like, I, I, I completely get, you know, why, why I turned out the way I did, you know, as a kid, man, I just, um, Did it make you easier with people or more cautious around people? Um, man, I, you know, How did it make I'm one of those personalities that it's just really anybody's guess. I mean, now I know myself in a way that, like, I really understand that, you know, it comes down to, you know, my mood is based on, you know, what, what what's going on with me situationally, or, you know, my, the circumstances of, you know, my life situation or whatever. Um, but, um, you know, as a performer, you sort of have to uh, be able to just kind of, like, put that aside, compartmentalize, and, and be able to, you know, take on whatever it is in front of you. Sure. And, um, but I'm, you know, I, I would say as a kid, you know, I, I was the same way, you know, like if I was excited about something, you know, I could walk into a room and make friends with everybody right away, you know, but, you know, it's funny, man, how you can help that. I mean, that, that is, that is, that is me in a nutshell, man. Sometimes I'm like this really shy, like, you know, I just want to be left alone in a corner, even, you know, in a room with a room full of people. And then. You know, sometimes, you know, if the mood hits me, I want to make friends with everybody, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, um, yeah. And that's, you know, I, mean, I, I think that's probably indicative of a lot of, you know, people and uh, creative types, you know, uh, performers, uh, so... Um, yeah, like, it turns out a lot of uh, 
comedians or sure. actors you think of as gregarious. Actually, their private lives are very, you know, they're not they're not having these social lives where they're out talking and yeah. you know acting crazy. That they do that in, in their art. It's funny that you mentioned comedy because that was like the first profession I think that uh-huh. I that I really you know of course I was a little kid five years old or whatever but I was like I want to be a comedian uh-huh. and, and I think just making people laugh and was something that was interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know I remember being really big into Dana Carvey <laughs> from Saturday Night Live. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he was just like the best, and that was even like that was like before like Wayne's World like. Uh-huh. Kind of thing took off or whatever. Like but church lady era. Yeah, yeah, maybe I guess the church. <laughs> the church lady had a profound impact on, on me as as a, as a youth. But uh, so yeah, I mean, I I even kind of sort of revisited that that notion when I was in my early twenties. I sat down and started writing like jokes and uh, punchlines and you know, basically like a, a stand-up routine or whatever that I sort of envisioned I would use one day but never did. And, um, you know, I mean, still in the back of my mind, I feel like it's so closely related to what we do as, you know, singer-songwriters where you're sort of up on stage and you're naked and, like, um, I don't know, man. I'm dating a girl that is an aspiring comedian right now. And uh, Oh, yeah? And, it, you know, it's funny because she is sort of the shy, quiet type, but, mm-hmm. like, I, I know that that really doesn't matter, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you might meet her and think, you know, you don't come off as somebody that could do this, but the yeah, truth yeah. is, is, like, any, most performers that you meet, like, one-on-one, they're sort of withdrawn, they're sort of reserved, they're sort of, you know, uh-huh. and, uh, I think it's probably, like, a rare, a rare percentage of, of you know, artists in general that are, like, sort of really social creatures and, like, you know, kind of uh, outgoing or whatever. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the comedians uh, fascinate me because a lot of times they're, they seem like they, the good ones, they, uh, they, can, they, they can observe and then they boil it down. Right, yeah. Uh, you know, something that makes a common occurrence ridiculous for sure you know or something like that I don't know they seem to like quickly boil things down and comment on it and, right right you know great. yeah you know yeah, I mean again it's, that kind of thing is just like timing you know I mean mm-hmm. if if you have good timing and you know are able to make the right observation I think and get it down mm-hmm. then uh, I mean that's really the, just what makes a good comedian you know mm-hmm. just uh I forget. There's a there's a quote about what comedy is, and it's just like something. It's just like it's life situation and, and timing equals comedy, or something uh-huh. like that. I don't, I don't know who said that, but it's, it's, I think I'm familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, I know there's a phrase, but it's not it's but, in my time. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you the right person can pretty much say anything and constantly just be on and like you know you have a good time. And so. hey, my brother's like that. I, you know, I've got really you know an older brother, and he probably was uh, you know part of the reason I was fascinated with comedy at such a young age because everybody was just like he was just making everybody laugh or whatever. But uh, um, you just I'm like, dude, if you would just like sit down and like focus your energy, mm-hmm. channel your your talents, yeah, and you, yeah. could, you could really take off. I'm always kind of doing that, trying to figure out, manage people from afar or whatever. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, well you, it's 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 irresistible when you 
feel like you see somebody else, someone else's talent or their, you know, their potential and to try, try to... Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I, it's something I've actually sort of thought about as a, you know, alternative career move that's related to music is like make like artist development or oh, even management. Manager, agent, yeah. I, I think I have a knack for finding, you know, up-and-coming talent and fostering them. I've, I've seen a lot of people around me that were, like, you know, one-time collaborators or, you know, friends kind of go off and, you know, do their do their thing and kind of grow into their own, um, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you never know how people are going to develop. So you played in the uh, way out in Mississippi? Yeah, I played uh, at the uh, Shack Up Inn. It's uh, right on the Arkansas-Mississippi border. Uh, so Clarksdale's famous because of its like blue, Mississippi Delta Blues um, music scene. Um, Robert Johnson was said to have sold his soul on the crossroads right there in, in that town. Um, and... So I played at this uh, great little, uh, almost sort of resorty kind of m- motel. Um, I mean, basically, it's like this compound of like these um, ten shacks. You know, just like these rows of these ten shacks, uh, surrounded by uh, the uh, some cotton fields. And, um, yeah, so I mean, it's like we were right, right there. Um, it, it definitely was like taking, you know hopping the time portal and you know, going back into the 40s or something. I mean, it, it's very, uh, ex- uh, uh, you know, it's in the middle of nowhere, very uh, much, um, there's not a whole lot of, like, signs of civilization. You have to drive out several miles to get to the closest town. And, uh, like definitely that. a highlight of, of the last tour. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. But then they, they oh wait, is it the, was it the actual crossroads? That- yeah, I mean, so yeah, it was. I mean, you can't, you know, so actually what they told me was that, so there's a, there's like a monument that was built like right there where those two uh, uh, highways uh, intersect. And right. what they told me was that that was like a new monument that was built for like tourists uh-huh. and that the actual place that he probably would have like done it was, you know, down the road some a couple of miles or it was like the old highway before it was like rebuilt or whatever. So, yeah, you know, it's definitely uh, Robert Johnson was there. I mean, yeah, you're in the neighborhood of the legend, for sure. Yeah, and I, I mean, it was huge for me. I mean, I, I talk, talk about one man and his guitar, and mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah, well, th- th- he was like an. I, th- I would even say before Dylan. I mean, I got really, I was really into the blues mm-hmm. way before. Um, you know, I got bit by the uh, Americana bug, mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah, Robert Johnson was somebody that I was fascinated with. You know. Um, and I had always been a, a, a big fan of like technical guitar uh-huh. playing, you know. Uh-huh. So definitely that st- that style of blues guitar was definitely uh-huh. something that opened my eyes to sure. something other than like power chords. And, yeah, you know, yeah. And you you definitely uh, you you use that in your guitar work. I mean, that's I am impressed with you know you've got some you've got some licks, you know. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I certainly, um, I, I definitely consider myself a guitar player for sure. Um, but you know, there's there's definitely some room for improvement. And I actually just talked to somebody about taking lessons with them recently. Um, 
uh, Josh Irwin from Packway Handle, who's a phenomenal um, flat picker. Uh -huh. So I'm probably going to start taking some lessons from him. But I've never really been, you know, I've never really taken lessons before, man. I sat, you know, Drew Cole, he, we, yeah. we, we sat down and he, yeah, he taught yeah. me some things at one point in time, but I'm, uh, you know, I'm just getting to a place where, like, I'm super, like, I'm, I'm, I can be patient and, like, yes. try and, like, implement the things that uh -huh. I learned. Uh -huh. Before, I've always just been kind of like a fiddler with a guitar where, like, I'll sit down and just kind of, like, try to hash out, like, a riff or something and, and, and or try to figure out, like, something that I heard and sort of play by ear. But, um, you know... The licks that you mentioned, in a lot of ways, are just variations of I think things that I've heard people do in the past mm -hmm. and wanted to kind of sort of you know make them uh, put my own spin on it. And that's sort of my philosophy on, on music and what I'm doing anyway. It's like we were talking about previously about the low vibe mm -hmm. and like my and wanting to sort of like stand on my own and not necessarily blend in with the your your. I don't want to say typical, but you know, you're more traditional Americana artists, yeah. you know. And so, you know, I wanted to take, you know, some of the basics and foundations of you know traditional roots, you know, playing, and uh, kind of put my own spin on it to, to where it's almost like something you hadn't heard. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, it's all been done before, so you know. Yeah. Well. But, right. Uh, but but. but it, if you do it enough, you care enough about it, you're going to create some some magic, which I think. Sure. Yeah. I think you've done. I know you were from talking to you on the phone. You were kind of critical of of your past record, but it's you know it holds up. I think if you weren't there, it holds up the people who are listening to it. You know, oh, rather than uh, yeah. the artist is always critical of their own. Well, you work. Know, I, <laughs> you know. I stand behind the songs for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, and the and the um, I just. Do you feel like it could have been recorded better or something? Oh, uh, no, well, recorded differently. Yeah. And I think it should have just been mixed differently. You know, mm -hmm. that's my biggest complaint. But, you know, I, to the untrained ear, I think, sure, yeah, I can mm -hmm. see, uh, you know. But I, I definitely, you know, I definitely feel like there are people who have listened to it and they were like, wow, what? this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, uh, well, well, yeah, the professionals are going to pick out your mistakes and sure. probably, I mean, but, yeah. But, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure everybody feels that way, so, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, I listened to something I did, and I, you know, I did it hastily and shared it with the world. And it's, uh, you know, there's some timing problems. There's some, you know. I didn't hear any list. of that, Larry. Good. Okay. Okay. Five stars. I okay. Like, I like. Okay. It. I accept it. <laughs> it's uh, you know, I, mean, I don't know when the last time I saw you, but this is, you know, this is the Larry that the Larry Fort that I met with the with the hair. Ah. And, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I can't believe I meant to have cut it uh, over the summer, but I get like as I get older, I become more attached to my hair, so it's harder to. My habit was to trim it all the way off. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so you. So yeah. No, we both got hair right wheeling. now. This is the most yeah. hair that I've had in uh, years now. I went short and you just did. like. You did. You had it short for a while. I'm thinking about cutting it back off again, man. It's just too much to deal with. I don't know. Just... Well, that's the thing. It's like every time I put my glasses <laughs> on my head and to pull them down, I'm yanking hair out. Yeah. So it becomes just. I mean, I didn't. You know, this isn't. If it, this were to grow naturally, it wouldn't be so ratty. You know, this is like ratty and ripped up here. Yeah. Every time it happens, I'm like, yeah, you got to cut your hair. But I haven't done it. You know, the hair looks good. You know, it's like a, this, like, rock and roll kind of, you know, 
people just like associate, you know, yeah. Is it right? that with having like some kind of hair or whatever, like At some least length, I have the hair moderate part, length. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> no, you do, no, you do have the hair part in it, for real. It's totally a, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, but at the same time, like, it's just not, I don't know, man, it's just it's not very functional for, like, like, when I go for a ride on my motorcycle and take yeah. off my helmet, like, immediately, like, my hair is, like, standing yeah, up, and yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, great, well, now I gotta, now I gotta play a show, it's like a double-edged sword, so, yeah, um, it's not, but, uh, Dude, your daughter just graduated high school. Yeah. Was that this year or last or what? She graduated in June. June? 18 years old. Wow. She's a grown woman. Um, she's, you know. Calls her dad every day? No, not at all, <laughs> man. Not at all. Uh, you know, I check in on her periodically, but, you know, I, I kind of accept, you know, that she's grown and, and on her own, and um, I, uh, you know, let her... I, let, I, you know, I try not to let too much time go by, but I mean, I texted her last night and didn't get a response. So, but um, you know, that's the younger generation for you. Mm-hmm. So we were talking about, you, yeah. you know, you and I remember when there wasn't text messages or cell phones. Like if, like yeah. to me, getting a text message is still like a, you know, it's like a. That just this is an exciting thing if it's from somebody you know that I know in life. I'm all too eager to text back, but uh, much less get a phone call. You know, I'm still that guy who like calls people. Like you know, I will nine times out of ten call somebody if I have something to say to them. And that's just like unheard of anymore. Yeah, I feel like even yeah, yeah, yeah. you know older generations have acclimated to that. You know, that's true. I'm more inclined to email and text now because it's easier. But I, you know, but I do call my mother and dad. You know. Oh yeah, that's so. true. Oh, technology. Yeah, that, you know, it's like at one point I always like to make is that there's so many venues to your. So many ways for people to commute to communicate with you, throw information at you, even freaking sales people. They're you know you're too vulnerable to input. So how can you? How can one person manage it all? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I got I got really uh, burned out by you know the social media and the constant. You know, information that you're taking in, yeah. and you know, I, I, I don't know if we mentioned in this interview the, exactly, the, the self-promotion I, aspect yeah, of I have being some a musician. On it, yeah. Man, I'm just completely over it. And you know, I used to come um, from a, the, you know, I was constantly trying to promote myself and get con- have just like this yeah, constant content, content you know out there yeah, yeah. and like I have no desire to do that anymore and I don't know it might be hurting me I don't know but well I think I just think that everyone's doing it so you have to find a balance of which works for you because it's it's cer- it's way less significant now that you have thousands of talented people competing for social uh, media space you know yeah so uh, like I still kind of a Facebook spammer, you know, I got my agenda, I got my thing. Sure. It is true, but like I've got to a place where I'm like, wait a minute, why don't Larry, why don't you make sure you uh, 
create some content of quality right. before you yeah. shove it. Yeah, it's out like there. The, let your work speak for itself, kind of a thing. I don't yeah. know. I mean, that's sort of the angle that I'm playing here. I mean, it just. Uh, you know, because we're constantly learning new things and evolving as you know we go, and so I'll see something, I'll see somebody doing something that's reminiscent of mm-hmm. you know what I was doing in the past, and, then, and then I, you know it's sort of a turnoff, and so you realize you kind of like you know are able to kind of like by process of elimination just decide that that is no longer the way to do things, you know. So, uh, but you know, I mean, I. There's no right or wrong way. It's just what you feel comfortable with. And I feel less comfortable at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to keep. You know, I try to keep it to a minimum. But yeah, yeah. You know, there's definitely a payoff. Man. But you can't. Yeah, you still have to be visible and available on because you know, everybody checks online. For, oh yeah, for know, sure. Yeah, they, they want to find you or find out about you. Um, Okay, quick little touch on veganism, because I make you talk about that again. Yeah, well, um, you know, for the record, I don't consider myself that anymore. I mean, I know... So you you and I didn't even previously discuss that as a topic, I don't think. Uh Uh-uh. No, no. no. But you just kind of sort of knew... I thought of... Yeah, I remembered it, and I I think I'm like an almost vegetarian, and... Right think that maybe I'll go all the way one day, but I'm not going to push myself, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, that's, I mean, and that just goes to show that, like, once you sort of toil in that venue or whatever, people are going to always think of you in that in that right, light. Right, because that's what I did. Yeah, no, and, <laughs> and that's cool, and the, the truth is, it's like, um, it's a very relevant thing for me. I'm constantly striving to be the best vegan I can but like sort of undercover it's not like I don't really even tell people I'm a vegan or Mm -hmm. consider myself that necessarily and you know again there are two schools of thought Mm -hmm. one is that you know a vegan completely abstains from animal byproducts Mm -hmm. you know like not wearing leather or, you know, not eating dairy, not eating meat, things like that, you know. And that is what, to a lot of people, the definition of veganism is. Um, but I've come to realize that that is not entirely accurate. And what it, most people consider veganism, or not most people, but what, what the true definition of veganism is that most people aren't familiar with is that it's just somebody who strives and who is constantly, consciously aware. So it's, it's not... You know, it's not to say that I'm not one, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm weary of putting that label out there. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're constantly people are con- going to constantly check you at every turn and remind you. And you know, I have made the mistake of telling people that even in the last year, and like, it's just a constant reminder. You know, uh, that you're not that you're falling just a little bit short of the mark. You know, uh-huh. when. When you know I'm gonna eat something with some friends and they're like, oh, but this is in it, and you're like, oh, uh, 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 I was totally gonna eat that. Yeah. Now, now, now you have a yeah. kind of conscientious uh, dilemma. Right yeah. Now. So, <laughs> um, I, I for a long time have not, but you know, it's mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm gung ho, uh, I'm a big supporter of that community, mm-hmm. and uh, um, you know, from the you know implications that it has on you know the earth and the atmosphere to um, 
know, I just to one's own personal me, health. Yeah, 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 one's personal. Of course, obviously that that, that but um, personal health care, but just the I, I don't I I don't feel right about necessarily you know eating you know a once sentient creature. You mm-hmm. know, some people will argue that that vegetation and vegetables were alive too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I mean, well, there's a, yeah, so much, there's only so much you can. Yeah, but you know. I think in uh, in you know I'm no expert, but I think in Buddhism they it if it's less of quote unquote a sin if it's a smaller animal. Yeah. So I don't you know it's like uh, really. That, yeah, I read that once. Huh. That's so, interesting. Um, yeah, so I'm like, well, you know, I eat chicken sometimes. <laughs> I don't eat meat for people. But I, I think it's also... That's why people can't go on these huge guilt trips. Just because they... I think the consciousness of what, where food came from is very important. Right. You shouldn't uh, live in shame as you were raised eating meat and your whole life and... That's what most of us were. Choose to change oh, yeah. in a yeah, yeah. very kind of extreme way. That's not. Uh, I mean, when it comes down to it, my personal feeling is that you know the old saying, "Everything in moderation," is yeah. is really, um, is really, I think, probably the best way of looking at things. You know, mm-hmm. um, I do like to make my life as difficult as possible. That's what <laughs> I tell people. You know, um, <laughs> and so. You know, I try to be as strict as possible. But, you know, I was going back to Rubber Soul. You know, I, I, I did that yoga teacher training there for a while, and, and, and veganism was expected. And, you know, so, like, everybody around me in that sort of community was doing it. And um, I, I just really absorbed the culture. Um, and it was very, and from the people that I took it in from it was, and learned from, it was very appealing. And so, um, you know, it's just... Less, uh, it's it's just harder to sustain that when you're not with like-minded people. Now I'm mm-hmm. I'm not using that as an excuse. I'm just saying like no, you, you know, support just like, each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, we're, yeah it's you when, but you know, even in this, you know, Athens is a very progressive town, and mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of like-minded people depending on what area of the town you're yeah, in. Yeah, but yeah. like, I've definitely found myself in situations where I was being, you know, kind of attacked for you know voicing my. Opinions on mm-hmm. that, and, you know, you can only go through that so many times before you really start to kind of like, yeah. you know, just keep it to yourself. And, yeah. You know, as the years have gone on, um, uh, I just don't. It doesn't even. I don't even think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're first kind of sort of, um, you know, change making these changes in your life, and you know, you want to invite people and in, in, in kind of sort of like. Uh, you're excited about this thing and you want to share it with people, but now I, I don't even, you know. Yeah. You know, we mentioned previously my sobriety, and I, I very much have the same, um, you know, it's 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 the same uh, outlook. I, I'm not in a hurry to share my personal, you know, you know, preferences and choices when it comes to my diet or, you know. Yeah, yeah, but you got sober for your own reasons, right? Yeah, it's it, not about yeah. preaching to some. No, uh, no, and it never was that. And yeah. um, you know, 
I didn't really, it wasn't a situation where I went to, you know, a whole lot of meetings and subscribed to the program or any of that. Um, and there's nothing, you know, that's not to say that I don't see the value in that, because I do. Um, I'm just, you know, I, I was never really, I never found it appealing, um, and it was never motivating to me to try and save everyone because I sort of grasped the concept early on that like people are just going to you know they're not going to make a, a decision or a choice like that until they're ready so there's no amount of effort that you can put into it um, that's going to you know steer them in that direction now you know I mean you can lead by example and and I feel like that's you know sort of you know, you know that's the the best way, really, because like you said, you're not going unless someone's already inclined for that or yeah. listening, they're not going yeah, And that's really truly giving somebody a choice, you know, yeah. which I think is, you know, what people are after in life, you know. That's that's a very attractive thing, you know, is like having the, the choice, you know, and options and whatnot, and uh, I think uh, you know, somebody sees you you know, and you're, you're good place and you're making good decisions and, and they're more likely to, you know, if they if they are in need, they're more likely to either come to you or sort of you know, seek out that that option that, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't tell anybody, as a matter of fact, I tell them the opposite when people ask me about it, I tell them I cannot recommend it uh-huh. um, and, uh, you know, it's kind of a joke but, you know, depending on who it is you know, some people, they will they will absolutely, um, you know, start to kind of examine themselves, mm-hmm. you know, based on like my sobriety, right. and, and uh, you know, a lot of times I don't feel like you know, um, you know, my 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 personal evaluations of you know these people, if I know them well and they're you know somebody that I, like I feel like you know I can make this assessment. You know, I'll tell them to relax. That you know, you seem to be doing fine. You know, don't. You know, you know. I think it's really easy to you know have a, a night out in town and spend a bunch of money and have a hangover the next day and tell yourself, "I'm going to quit." You know, I need to quit. I got a problem. But you know, oftentimes. I feel like that's just, you know, a byproduct of, you know, a hangover, you know, regret, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. you got to pay to play, man. I can identify in a small way. I, uh, I did quit for a, about a year and I felt productive and energetic and, you know, and so I was like, hey, this is all right, you know. So I get it, and I so I sometimes I question myself. Like, Larry, you got back in the habit of drinking, you know. It, it hasn't, you know, destroyed my life like some people describe. Uh, yeah. But I do. I recognize now. And I don't have to acknowledge it. But you know, you might not be doing your best work because you gotta, you know, because you were distracted by. Listen, I don't know, but. I, I was I was just not functioning, you know what I mean? Like I was just like my my life just wasn't really going anywhere. So when I when I see a person like, you know, doing extracurricular things like hosting a podcast and like, you know, clearly you know what I mean, like I, I mean look, Yeah, I'm people, getting stuff done. Pe- yeah, people who don't 
people who need to quit, they're like not doing podcasts. You know what I mean? Like, right. True. Like, <laughs> like people at rock bottom, they're not doing things like that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, I'm never opposed to someone you know wanting to better their their life situation, but um, I I would say to you. I cannot recommend it. <laughs> Keep doing what you're doing, man. <laughs> yeah, I'll take your advice. Yeah. <laughs> um, listen, the album is Low Vibe. It's the Low Vibe, yes, sir. The Low Vibe, and it's going to be available soon. Very soon, I'll, yes. I'll play a, a track at the end of this oh, podcast. Very cool. share with my 20-year... Uh, 10 or 20 listeners we'll see how it goes yeah we'll see but as soon as I get uh, 10 podcasts I'm gonna check in with iTunes and make sure my podcast is still on iTunes and then I'll I will pay to promote it very cool man yeah 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 I appreciate you having me man I appreciate you doing it we'll um, we'll meet again and and touch on some new subjects and some of the some of the old ones sounds good thank you sir Can I be there for you when I am so fragile? I feel so lost when I I've let you down. You deserve the best, and that's not what I give. I'm an older man Playing a foolish game You're younger than the age I was before I knew myself Do I, I put you down Or do I, I build you up Do I push you All you need is love Could you take me by the hand Help me understand How you came to be immortal to me Born out in the heat of the night I just keep to myself